Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Mushy, mushy, human listeners. Hello to everybody. That's the translation, isn't it? You tell me. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, as I mentioned earlier, and we're here to talk to you about one very special BMW, I think. We're <laughs> going to talk about it twice. That's how important it is. And we're also going to tell you all about the cool supercars that dropped during the Geneva Motor Show. So listen up and, and buckle buckle in and listen up. How about that? And in case you, you're not familiar with Sammy's vast over of work, he is a writer for Autoguide.com, and he is also their main video dude. So if you've seen someone on Autoguide's YouTube channel talking about cars, chances are it was Sammy. Or some of my very talented colleagues. Ben can be found at Autoguide as well, but he has a far more diverse range of topics to talk about. Um, and those that means that his, pub, his stories can be found in a bunch of publications. Can you list off at least three of them for me right now, please, Ben? Okay, well, uh, we'll go with Automobile, Haggerty, and Super Street. I love it. Okay, what BMW are we talking about this week? Because Lord knows we haven't talked about BMWs every week in the past month. <laughs> we're talking about the 2019 BMW X2, but more specifically, we're talking about the M35i. And I want to point something out. Both Sammy and I are, have become so flummoxed by the current BMW branding structure that we both thought <laughs> that the, the M35i was the six-cylinder version of the X2 because there's, there's a, a two-liter four-cylinder called the uh, the 28i, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're wrong, and of course we're wrong because this is a front-wheel drive architecture that's not designed to receive a longitudinally mounted six-cylinder inline inline six-cylinder engine of all things. So what what we actually drove both of us uh, <laughs> and only realized perhaps today is that it's the same engine as you'll find in the 28i, but it's been uh, it's had the wick turned up. If you're an automotive journalist and you don't use turn up the wick in your in your work then are you really credible sammy uh don't please don't ask me that question okay um, so 74 <laughs> horsepower and 74 pound feet more than the base two liter engine how did they do it sammy do you know how they did it yeah i know exactly how they did it okay let's go oh i'm not gonna i'm gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ruin their secret it's not like the caramel secret. Remember the caramel secret when that was? Yeah, how did they campaign? get? How did they get it in there? I don't know. No Just like how did BMW <laughs> put all that horsepower in the four cylinder? No one cares about caramel anymore, but people do care about the X2. So we'll, all right, we'll break so, into that. They tell me that the crankshaft has been reinforced and features larger main bearings. That there's new pistons with a slightly reduced compression ratio. There's a larger turbocharger and increased boost. There's also um, improved intake airflow tract as well as a upgraded cooling system. What do you think of that? Is that a good enough list of things that they've done for the, the motor and powertrain? You know what? It sounds like overkill. <laughs> <laughs> We've There's gone- actually more to it. There's also an upgraded uh, – it comes standard with the M Sport exhaust. And there's – the powertrain also gets – it comes standard with all-wheel drive. And it comes with a front axle-based um, differential, front, uh, sport differential. Well, it, it, all cars have differentials, Sammy, but what makes this one special? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Torsen-based limited slip differential, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's the first one. Um, uh, <laughs> this is funny. BMW says that the X2 M35i is the first vehicle to receive this Torsen one on the front axle. So thank yes. you for that clarification. Uh, 
But you end up with the base car has uh, 248 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque. So this car has 302 horsepower, Sammy, and 332 pound-feet. I think that's what the math works out to if you add 74 yeah. to those numbers. So it's it's a worthwhile upgrade. Uh, it's a huge upgrade. I think torque-wise it felt really, really significant. And to me, the feeling of that power, especially the way it just hits you, um, it, that's what made me think I was driving something a little bit more, more powerful, like a six cylinder model instead of just the weird nomenclature as well. I thought it, it had way more power than, uh, a four cylinder had any right to have. And it has, uh, it has acceleration to go with that power too. It's not just show yeah. muscles. It's not just, you know, those, those people at the gym flexing in the mirror. It's one and a half seconds quicker to 60 than the base X2. And that means it does it in just under five seconds, 4.9 seconds. You know, um, I, 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 it's it's pretty fast. I mean, it's ridiculous. This is basically a hatchback. It is. It's a hot hatch, and I think that's what makes the thing so interesting, so special. What do you think? There's a little bit of turbo lag. That's my biggest problem. With there's it, not but... only a little bit of turbo lag, but there's that weird kind of turbo confusion. You know what I'm talking about? Where like not turbo confusion. Sorry, just like drivetrain confusion. Where it, 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 the BMW was bad for this with the M cars, I believe, a little bit off the line. Uh, but the worst car in recent memory for this was the CLA when it first came out, where you would push oh. the gas just a little bit to pull off the line, and occasionally the it didn't know what to do, and you would just sit there, and the revs wouldn't necessarily move. Occasionally, when I was in the, the X2 M35i, when I was just slowly pulling off the line, I would get like a... And like there would be a half second or a second before everything engaged and got me moving forward. Um, it's not something I noticed with the regular version, with the, the, the base model. I did not have that issue. Uh, the other difference I found with this car, the, the, aside from it being quicker, and it is fairly quick, but it, the suspension, it, it comes standard with M, M suspension now. It was always an option mm-hmm. uh, with the other car. I found it rode a little bit rough. And not only mm-hmm. – I'm in – we're in Montreal. I'm in Montreal. Sammy's in Toronto where they don't have seasons. But um, Montreal is right now in the middle of pothole season because everything's Oh, fine. my God. Toronto's pothole season is terrible too. Don't, yeah. don't even – so I'm noticing it a lot more. I'm noticing this car just feels a little bouncier and a little rougher than the base X2. I think that's that's true. And I always found that the X2 was already pretty stiff. And I found that this thing um, will ride a little bit stiffer than that. There's also an adjustable suspension that you can get as an option. And that is what I had. And I think it will, ro- it will ride a little bit um, more decently there. But the one thing is this thing comes with that M Sport suspension like you mentioned. It'll it rides a little bit lower. So the more we talk about it being a, a kind of hot hatch, when they lower it by ten millimeters, it actually really looks like a like a normal hot hatch rather than a crossover. Yeah, it's I, almost I mean half an inch that. it's almost half an inch lower. It's 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 really you're you're right. The look of the car so I was telling Sammy before before we started. So when I drove the regular X2, the or the base X2, it was orange on the outside and black on the inside. But the one I'm driving this week is black on the outside and orange on the inside. Legit orangish <laughs> uh, upholstery, which I think actually works in the car. I think it's fun. I think for this size of vehicle, you don't get in the car and and feel like you know you're in the middle of a citrus massacre. I think I think it actually works, but. Uh, the the black on the outside doesn't look nearly as good. It, it kind of masks um, a lot of the detail of the car, and I feel like if you're gonna get this car, you're gonna want a lighter color or a color that's more striking. So I I I, I almost feel like the base X2 looked better than this M version or fake M or lowercase M, however you want to call it. Uh, then, which is kind of a weird state of affairs. Normally, it's not the case. 
I have a huge issue with the the base X2 and the X1, to be honest. A huge issue. uh, Yeah, a pretty big issue, actually. I didn't enjoy driving the normal versions of uh, of these cards. I mean, the X1 doesn't come with an M35 variant, but I hated the X1. I found it to be a little bit – lacked a lot of personality. It lacked a lot of BMW's finesse. And what's worse is what BMW did is they used the mini – the platform for the minis – uh, specifically the Countryman, I believe, and they applied the the BMW sort of um, design language and some technology to it. And in the process, they got rid of the personality that the Mini had, and it has no. It's a very bland product. The X1 and the X2. The X2 I found rode a little bit stiffer. It was a little bit more playful, but not just not at the either what I expected from BMW's lineup, and not as good as a Mini. The M35i is the first time I felt like this is a real BMW. It feels like something that is fun and interesting to drive. It makes me feel like you're driving something that's drastically different than other vehicles on the road. You know, it's I, I just looked at the my notes from the the X2 that I drove. It did have the M Sport suspension, so I, I think that the the M235i must have a little bit different tuning on the suspension because mm-hmm. it was noticeably bouncier. Uh, but I didn't have that same experience that you had with the the drivetrain. I did not find. Um, I didn't find it to be like a lesser BMW. I actually kind of enjoyed it for what it was, and maybe I wasn't the the, the standard model. Yeah, the standard model. No way, man. I I I'm just not impressed. I was not impressed with it. It didn't it didn't hit me with anything interesting, anything that made me want to because BMWs are more expensive than standard con- <laughs> subcompact crossovers, and there was nothing special about this X2 or X1. Neither the interior, the exterior, the well, powertrain. I can't and this to the X1. I, I mean, I know it has 25% more cargo space <laughs> because it has three inches more roof line. But uh, aside from that, I mean, I haven't driven one recently, so it's not really, I, I can't, I can't uh, join you in your hating on it. But, um, but I'm, I'm obviously, I'm going on a bit of a tangent because the M35i version really brought things back full circle to me. And I felt far more confident with what this car is and it's it's primary competition would likely be that mercedes gla 45 oh in which and case i i don't know like i don't know if the bmw is feels as quick but it does feel much more refined yes and and i think that's important the and to make things worse the gla 45 is getting kind of uh long in the tooth it's getting kind of old i think it's getting set to be replaced sometime soon and i feel like they never refined the gla 45 and I found the the M35i to be a far more um, finished product, and I was I was happier driving that car, even though the the GLA45 can be kind of outrageous. It's interesting too, is that BMW waited to give us this car. Yeah, about a year from the standard X2. Yeah, so they soaked up all the people who were looking for a crossover of this size. And then once that had happened, they bring this out, which, again, attracts a different buyer, the buyer who's looking for a performance hatch. And that's it's a smart strategy. Uh, and, you know, we say that it's smaller inside than an X1. There's still 50 cubic feet of space with the rear seats folded. That's not all that far off from a Volkswagen Golf. Um, even though the Golf might have a bit of a roofline advantage in terms of fitting taller objects in, it's still a decently practical vehicle. You think that's good? You think like a crossover should be compared to it? Like a Golf, I, I think maybe actually you're right. A Golf is a very good standard of, of a no, Because you were saying this is a hot hatch. It's not really a crossover. Right. Yes. So, I, I mean, mean, in that sense, you're right. I mean, it doesn't really look like an SUV at all. No, it, it's it does really hatch-like. So let's just call it what it is. Okay. Um, I, I'm actually I'm trying to get in touch with um, the folks at Volkswagen to see if they've still got a Golf R uh, on fleet. 
And uh, I would like to do a comparison with the Golf R and the um, X2. But I think one of the biggest issues might be pr- uh, there's a difference in pricing. Yeah, well, so the, that's a good point to bring up. So not only is the – well, you know, the Golf R is I think what, 37000 Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to take a look right now because I can tell you that the the X2 M35i is forty six thousand dollars. That's, that's what it's, kind of pricey. That's yeah. what it starts at, and that is ten thousand dollars more than the base front wheel drive version of the X2, uh, and about mm, eight thousand dollars more than the all wheel drive version of the X2. Sorry, the the, the all wheel drive non performance version of the X2. So you are paying a definite premium. You get a bunch of junk with that. Uh, Surprisingly, it, a Golf R is kind of pricey too. This thing starts at forty thousand dollars. And that's with um, a standard transmission, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sammy, you got to make that call for our money. <laughs> the, the other thing, too, is, you know, the M35i comes with, like, a different front and rear end. And, like, it, it looks a little more sporty than the base model, which is, you know, uh, when I had the base model in Sunset Orange Metallic, I didn't seem to notice that as being a problem. But you can get, actually, three real colors with the, the X2. There's, there's a blue. There's a yellow. And there's an orange, and uh, I, that's you know we laugh, but it didn't. Cars, it's hard to find cars with color, right? It really is. It really is. But I'm just trying to see how much I can actually push this car up to. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of options, which might work in its favor. I don't think there's a ton of options with the Golf R either. No, there are almost no options, except for there is a very wide color spectrum to choose from in the United States. It's, in, it's quite impressive, actually. Um, there's no interior options. There's a transmission option if you want to bump the price up to uh, by $1,100. Um, bucks. And there's a new wheel package as well, 19-inch black wheel package. This is so weird. So I'm trying to add the premium package to the X2. And it allows me to add a heated steering wheel or stop and go adaptive cruise control, but not both. No. I don't so the, the priciest Golf R you can get, including destination, would be forty two six twenty five. So you're still playing, paying a good chunk more for a for even a base um, X two M thirty five i. But I still think it would be a very curious uh, comparison, and I'll I'll keep you guys posted if such a comparison comes to. Comes to light. Yeah, I just built a fifty-three thousand dollars X two. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's an obnoxiously loaded one. Do you need all those features when you want? A- it's honestly not all that loaded. Like it really, terms of, it, it it has everything, but everything mm-hmm. is just basically the premium package, stop and go cruise control, but no heated steering wheels. Why is that? No. That's a weird choice. Uh, M sports seats and a panoramic moonroof and wireless charging. So like. All of that was – that's pretty much all the options. I paid more for black Dakota leather. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> like $1,450. I wanted to talk to you about um, wireless charging. So last month I broke my phone and I got a new one that has wireless charging. And I didn't think it would be so much of uh, a, an important feature. But my old phone had a massive battery and my new one has a smaller one. So I find myself just falling in love with cars that have – not falling in love with cars but really appreciating wireless charging um, features in, in cars. So it's actually something that I'm sure that more people are uh, coming to terms with and probably is an important buying decision for, for more people out there. I've actually got a counterpoint to wireless charging though. I don't use it not just because this phone that I'm using now doesn't have the feature, which is, mm-hmm. of course, a reason why not to use it. But uh, I have had previous phones that had it. I don't like taking my phone out of my pocket and putting it down somewhere in the car because I'll mm-hmm. forget it's there. 
and then I'll walk out of the car and I'll leave my phone there. So normally if I'm going on a trip and I need to use navigation or something on my phone, I'll have like a windshield mount and it's connected. I'll, I'll plug it in to, to charge it and that's not an issue. Uh, so it's not really for, – from the way I use the car, wireless charging is not really a, a great feature. But I for let's say you have a passenger or mm-hmm. I don't ever have passengers because I don't have any friends in my life at all. I'm your friend. Yes, but you're so distant, Sammy. And you never, not, char- not, you never uh, charge your phone. You never charge your phone in my X2. <laughs> That's true. But, okay, uh, so actually the the X5 that we had last week, it had a reminder every time you left the car and you left it with a uh, wireless charge uh, – something in the tray. It's a device in the wireless charging tray, which I found. Where okay. does it say that? On the central – on the gauge cluster. Oh, I close my eyes as soon as I hit the stop button. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> I have to. Why? The visions, Sammy. The visions. Oh, right. Um, so I found that very interesting, but I, that's an additional package that you have to pay for in the X2. Yeah, but you get Wi-Fi as well. Mm. What do you think about Wi-Fi? Are you into Wi-Fi? I have nothing to say about Wi-Fi. To be <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving. What would I do with Wi-Fi? You're right? driving right now? That's really irresponsible. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like having a phone call. Wow. Wow. What would the, uh, what would the Subaru Forester AI think of your lack of attention to driving? As long as, if, as long as, as I was looking out the window and it can see my face and eyes, uh, paying attention to the road. As long as you're talking about me, I will let you keep your face and (laughs) eyes. But okay, so I mean, did you have a, a more positive experience with this M2, uh, this M35i version, or do you think it's like uh, it, it's just doing fan service to those people who want um, a hotter BMW? <laughs> I don't think fan service exists at this segment of the market for BMW. I think it's a legitimate um, entry into their into their model lineup. I think there is a customer out there who wants this, and I think it's a logical step up. Um, I think that I don't think that people is who are shopping enthusiasts or is it for everyday buyers? It's for everyday buyers who think they're enthusiasts. How about that? Think they're enthusiasts. Because you get that like the, kind of. you well any kind of M car that's not a real M car is not super enthusiast oriented, right? It's more flash, here's the brand, here's the style, here's a bit more uh acceleration and handling. I mean, it's not like they're not true M cars. They're they're stuck somewhere in between and I think that, you know, I think true enthusiasts save up and get the M car. And everyone else is like, oh, I'm into this M535i or M550 or whatever. You know, it's it's an in-between. So I'm not sure those people are actually hardcore driving enthusiasts, which is fine. Because the, if, if they're the only people who bought cars, neither of us would have a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I think I – it's a very interesting Venn diagram. People who are enthusiasts but people who are, are, are don't want something the most hardcore or want to pay for that. Uh, and the real, the true M badge with their S designated engines, right? So uh, I think the X2 does cover their their bases. But you know what? It's like what we ta- we've talked about before. There's just so many cars from BMW that fill in so much white space. It's almost as if they've they've got an entire um, blanket on the automotive industry and, and the market segments out there. You got to have a blanket to soak up all those tears. Yeah, they're covering it all. The tears. What? What? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Wait, first, first of all, are you using a blanket to soak up your tears? Because no, not a towel at all. or paper towel or tissue. I sleep under one of those NASA blankets, the crinkly like um yeah. metallic sheen ones. They don't Isn't soak that just anything up. Foil? My sweat just pools in that thing overnight. It's pretty nasty. I have you to You make your own water bed, eh? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Gross. It's like a more like a marsh. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's enough of the X2. I if National talk- Audubon sponsored a bed, it would be my marsh bed. 
Ducks Unlimited bed. Are you done talking about your bed? Yeah, let's move on. Can I? You're, you've caused these mass fantasies with our with our the listeners. Phone lines are lighting up. <laughs> yeah, I need to hang up on them. <laughs> <laughs> that button doesn't do anything. I oh, just went there to placate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Let's talk about the Geneva Motor Show, which is one of the coolest auto shows that happen each year. I think it's um, it's a very interesting show because, well, because a ton of supercars drop. Each year, and what? this year is no is no um, different. And I think <laughs> I wow, lost great, momentum there so thing. badly. Uh, and last week we promised you a a Geneva Supercars Lightning Round, and mm. I'm going into this almost completely unprepared. I know almost nothing about any of the cars Sammy's about to, t- to hit me with, and I'm just going to give a hot take based on the information he provides me. So if you're listening, makers of these supercars, Sammy's responsible for whatever is about to come out of my mouth. Oh, no. Okay. All right. The first thing we got to talk about is – oh, do I really have to – it's a Kona Seg. It's called the Jesco, and it's a mega car? Mega car. <laughs> okay. Already this is my favorite because I think we live in a post-supercar world. And I think we should get ready for the mega and ultra car overlords that are waiting for us. What makes this car so mega, Sammy? No, this is I can't I can't even bring this up. There's something about the clutches in this car. How many I, clutches are there? I think this has a lot of clutches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let me get to you before I I say something stupid. It has holy moly! It makes sixteen hundred horsepower. Nice. It has a twin turbo V8. Actually, that's that sixteen that sixteen hundred horsepower is on an E eighty five biofuel. When of you're not course. using when you're not using E eighty five biofuel, I'm gonna say it like that every time. <laughs> remember uh, when? Remember Star Trek Voyager, and had no. the starship had like a bio computer. It was like semi alive, and then ne- never again in Star Trek did they ever talk about that. That's kind of like E eighty five, I think. I think it's a similar concept. I think it, it's like having sentient life forms in your fuel tank being consumed to give you 1,600 horsepower. No, this can't be real. Apparently, it has seven clutches. Okay. Well, how many gears are there? Nine? Oh, it needs two more clutches, bro. <laughs> this is bizarre. I'm into this. Okay. Uh, it's very fast. It's got... <laughs> Holy moly. It weighs only 1,900 pounds. Wow. 1,900 pounds. Sorry, 2,900 pounds. Okay. I I, I subtracted 1,000 pounds for no reason. Wow. Okay. So it weighs like a boxster weighs, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm trying to find the the speeds at which it does anything. Conservatively, I'm going to say 300 miles per hour. (laughs) It's got to be 300 miles. But if you use all the It does. People are saying a 300-mile top speed, which sounds also unbelievable. If you use all the clutches, it'll do 301. Okay, so the name Jesco though is um is oh man, this thing is unbelievably fast. It's named after the about uh, a Christ, Christ, Christian von Koenigsegg's father, Jesko von Koenigsegg. That's pretty so awesome. If you're going to make a car that's named after your father, it's got to have seven clutches, right? I'm gonna say that's pretty rare because most of the time people name cars after their kids, right? Like or the Eds, like I mean, the, the Edsel and then Enzo's kid. What was his kid? Dino. And and now you have Christians like no you know what we're gonna go we're gonna flip it back old school my mega car is named after my dad Jesco Jesco killed a bear once with his bare hands in the woods and he invented the first biofuel Scandinavian woods 
And he's like, you know what? If I'd had seven clutches, I wouldn't have had to use my bare hands. <laughs> I would just crush it with clutches. <laughs> just, just whip clutches at it like like uh, Gambit whips playing cards. <laughs> yes. um, okay, this is a wild car. It costs $3 million. Hey, which surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly is not the most expensive car we're going to talk about today. <laughs> All right. So what's the next one? Okay, we've got a new Ferrari. You want to talk about a Ferrari? Hey, I don't know anything about it. Hit me with some details and I'll give you my hot take. This is the F8 Tributo. which is Better name than LaFerrari. That's my first impression. It's uh, it's an update to the 488 GTB. Okay. It makes 710 horsepower and 567 pound-feet of torque. How many clutches, bro? (laughs) I think it just has two clutches. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ferrari loses in the clutch category, which is weighted surprisingly high on the unnamed automotive podcast scale. <laughs> um, that's all I gotta say about that. Like, legit, if you come to me with seven clutches, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> Two hundred and eleven uh, mile per hour top speed. It hits zero to sixty in two point nine. This is the sort of car that goes up against that six hundred LT that we talked about last so, week. The so McLaren. This is, this is a car that's ninety nine miles an hour slower than the Jesco and isn't named after anyone's dad. Why? No, why are F8. we even talking it's name, about it's this named car? Named after a button on your keyboard. Yeah. Why are we even talking about this car? Okay. F eight of the Furious. Is that what you're saying? This is the Ferrari F eight of the Furious. But you want to talk about the new Mercedes AMG GTR Roadster? Okay, is that really a supercar though? Uh, no. Oh, I guess not. so I like the AMG GTR very much. It is a very. Fun what car if it didn't have track. a roof though? Would you like it? I would probably still like it. Yes. Okay, perfect. That's good enough for lightning round. <laughs> uh, Lamborghini Aventador SVJ Roadster as well. <laughs> Didn't you drive the SVJ? No, that was Brad. He came on the podcast to talk oh, about yeah. it. Brad, shout out to Brad Iger, uh, excellent auto rider. Uh, well, so good you almost you mistook him for me. Bulldog owner, multiple bulldog owner. Doesn't he also own one of the coolest Dodges out there? It, well, his wife owns a Magnum SRT, which is one of the coolest Dodges out there. Oh, wonderful. Um, SVJ Roadster. It's shout out to Nicole the, and the Magnum SRT. How many shadows do you get to do you get a, a podcast? Uh, I get as many as I want, and so do you. It's not my fault you don't take advantage of what's in your contract. Uh, SVJ Roadster. It's surprisingly affordable compared to the Jesco, the $3 million Jesco. Yeah, but how, how many clutches, bro? One. One clutch. <laughs> One clutch. Okay, and again, not named after any family members that we know of. SVJ? S could be someone's initials. It's not. Cinder Von Jesco, maybe. $537,000, that's all yours, although probably all sold out by now. So I could get six of these or one Jesco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I would still only have six clutches. And I would still be behind the Koenigsegg. Wow, what a crazy world we live in where I can spend $3 million at Lamborghini and still be running a clutch deficit. <laughs> um, top speed is 217, and it weighs 3,300 pounds. And I did not subtract 1,000 pounds unwillingly for the Are question. you sure? Uh, you know, yes, Your math sure. dyslexia is panicking. <laughs> <They feel> well. <laughs> All right, one more. The Pininfarina. Okay. Uh, it's called the Batista. Ooh, okay, so potentially someone's dad or mother. <laughs> I don't know why it's there. Or a holiday in South America. <laughs> it makes 1,900 horsepower from a pure electric 
um, powertrain. I'm very interested in this. Tell me more. It's partnered with an, with the electric supercar maker Rimac and Formula E team Mahindra Racing. Okay, isn't Rimac the company that made? Aren't they Russian? I they're I think they're they're definitely Eastern European. Yes. Okay, are they the ones that had the car in Fast and Furious? No, in Fast and the Furious, you're thinking of um, W Motors, the okay, yeah, like yeah. in Super Sport or something. Oh, it's Croatian. Croatian. Big, big ups to the Croatian community listening to our podcast. Nineteen hundred horsepower, sixteen hundred pound feet of torque, zero to sixteen under two seconds. What? Won't that peel your face off? You know what's pretty awesome about Rimac is that the the inventor of Rimac or the guy who runs it, uh, Mate Mate Rimac. He is a recipient of the Order of Danica Hravatska, which is the Order of the um, Croatian Morning Star. It is the 13th most important medal given by the Republic of Croatia since 1995. And in that period, only one, two, three, four, five, eight people have received it. So anyway, back to the car. No clutches. No clutches because it doesn't need them. How much (laughs) is it? Uh, I don't think there's prices yet, but it's a it's a legitimate car. I thought it was a concept, but when you look at it, you're going to realize that this is a real thing. It's going on sale. There's only 150 of them, so really, we'll see. Well, it's funny because the other Rimac is called the Concept One. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's... Okay. What's interesting, actually, is after this thing debuted, I got a um, an email from a Canadian dealer named Faf, and they're going to be selling this thing. Well, how many are there? 150, you said? 150. So they're going to be selling one. <laughs> I suppose, suppose so. How interesting I, is that, right? No, I think it's a cool... I, I really like the idea. I'm, You know, I have nothing against um, incredibly face-melting electric supercars. And especially since they don't even bother to get into that whole he-said-she-said said clutch battle that every other car company seems to be involved in. <laughs> they are above the fray. Uh, how many newton meters of torque, Sammy? Uh, do I really have to give you the newton meter number here? I don't have it. <laughs> Because the Concept One has sixteen hundred newton meters, it's got to be more than that. Yeah, probably. Okay, this also has four hundred fifty kilometers or two hundred seventy nine miles of range. That's pretty impressive. Is that at tops? Is that like a full full top speed? I don't think. Can so. I go three hundred miles an hour for two hundred seventy nine miles? It doesn't go three hundred miles per hour. It goes two seventeen. Okay. And it will do zero to three hundred kilometers an hour, which is one hundred eighty six in under twelve seconds. You ever get the impression that uh, these numbers don't make sense? That's the impression <laughs> I get. The, the impression that um, the Koenigsegg is like the non-sketchy European Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're so. like they're just they're just de- they're just devoted to uh, making crazy crazy straight line speed cars at like super low volume, and uh, but they're not going to steal other customer cars to make that happen. You know, I've been to the Koenigsegg warehouse or, or sorry factory. Did warehouse, I tell you that, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, maybe that too. It's uh, it's it's pretty impressive. It's built on a on a on a an old fighter or an old air airstrip, so they can test the cars like uh, top speed runs and stuff. And uh, I was in there, and you go in, and there's like two or three cars being built, and they're all built by hand. And I think they produce four cars a year, something like that, four or five cars a year. And they're just like in various states of disassembly in a few different rooms in the building. And there's like a room where there's just all this carbon fiber that's being hand weaved. To be perfectly um, angled when it's put onto the car, and I remember one of the engineers who was, or engineers, craftsmen, whatever you want to call them, was there with me, and he was showing me the carbon fiber, and he's like, "You see how our lattice work is absolutely perfect and lined up?" He's like, "Lamborghini can't do that," and then he laughed to himself, like this chuckle. <laughs> it was <I> got- great. <laughs> 
I love it. That's amazing. Um, okay, the next car I have is a new Bugatti, which is a one-off and has already been given away, I believe, or sold to. Okay, first of all, uh, how many wheels? Four wheels? How many clutches? I suppose two. You suppose two. Okay, so half as many clutches as wheels. Not a great start. This thing Bugatti. costs 19 million U.S. dollars. Uh... <laughs> How many how many Jescos is that? That how many Jescos is that? That's six and a half Jescos. Bro. That's insane. Maybe maybe six and one third Jescos. I get what's it called? Oh, it's called La Voiture Noire. The black car. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, did Bugatti for nineteen million dollars? You have you one you guess as hire, to what color it is. You figure you could hire a marketing department at that price. Who cares? I suppose if there's only one of them. Yeah, I guess so. And then people, you pull up to the valet station, and you're, they're like, what's your car, sir? And you're like, it's the black car. And they're like, why are you being such a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How fast uh, is this car? I don't know. Can you imagine the person who spent $19 million on it putting it on the road somewhere? Can you imagine the person who spent $19 million on it not knowing how fast it is? <laughs> it's got to be. I'm assuming it's essentially a Chiron. So does that mean it's faster or slower than the Jesco? It's slower. I don't think anything's faster than the Jesco. So it costs six and one-third Jescos and yet is slower. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Nah, I'm not impressed. What will make you impressed? I told you I was impressed oh, the by clutches. the pin and furry. Okay, here we go. It's got uh, an eight-liter quad-turbo W16, the most reliable W format. Um, eight <laughs> liters. Was well, that a mention? subtle dig at the Phaeton? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, 1500 horsepower and it doesn't seem like it needs special biofuel for that number well, 1180 maybe it, it pound feet of torque maybe if it tried harder and used special biofuel and devoured sentient life forms in its quest for horsepower it would be faster than the Jesco the other thing I like about the Jesco name is getting back to Star Trek it sounds like the name of a ship in Star Trek like call coming in from the Jesco captain put it on screen can't you imagine that yeah, I could. Yeah. I like that name, actually. It's but good. no one would say, communication coming in from La Voiture Noire. <laughs> well, maybe someone in, in a French sci-fi team, space team. In, in space, they all speak Federation Standard, which is neither English nor French nor... It's just... It's, it's just... I can't really explain it on the podcast. <laughs> okay. And then an, uh, an automaker unveiled three concept cars, all mid-engine, I believe. Okay. Uh, Aston Martin, of all people. Hey, now... None of these uh, – I don't really have, like, numbers and figures on these cars. Um, do, you, do you have names? Do you have anything? Yeah, they have terrible names. Okay, okay. one is called the AMRB003 concept. Okay. So the AMRB stands for Aston Martin Red Bull, which I believe is the F1 partnership that they have. Um, and 003 the, is the name of the James Bond agent who was killed that James Bond 007 has to um, avenge, right? In probably the next – James Bond movie? I, I can see that happening. Only 500 of these. Oh, apparently it's real. Only 500 of them will be built. It uses okay. a hybrid turbo V6. Eh. And I have no other no other figures for that. That's good. I've lost interest on hybrid turbo okay. V6. Let's move on. Then there's this item called the Vanquish Vision concept. Okay. Isn't that just like two of their other cars combined together? I don't know if a Vision... Vision is a superhero in uh, Marvel, isn't it? He is. And then there's the Buick Vision, which is probably unrelated. <laughs> 
Okay, so the uh, Vision concept is meant to um, preview something that would compete with the McLaren 720S, the Ferrari F8 that we just discussed, and the Lamborghini Aventador. It's as well going to be a turbo hybrid turbo V6. Ugh. You have to call and it the fate of the Ferrari. That's what it's. That's the actual name. The Tributo. Yeah, Tributo, fate of the Ferrari. And then we got one more car with the most ridiculous <laughs> rear overhang that I've ever seen. I need to send you a photo of this because you're gonna laugh. This is the new. You're gonna long, hate this. Is because, it the long tail? No, long tail. No, no. This is still. We're still talking about Aston Martin. Here we go. Um, this is the Lagonda All Terrain concept. Okay. Remember how much you hated. Remember how much you hated um, Rolls Royce for ruining their brand by getting a an SUV. Yes, I'm expecting the same rant about this car. You know what? It's green. I kind of like that. It looks That's like it's moving through it's space, saying. like linear space at warp speed. Kind of into that. You'll notice a lot of space references today. Mm. Um, I don't know if Aston Martin has the same level of brand. Uh, I, this is, that's a conversation for another day. We're just doing the lightning round today. I'm not going to fill your, your coffers with hate, Sammy, even though I know you want me to. How many clutches do you think collectively these three concepts have? Ooh, I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> Am I right? I don't know. There's no specs on them. So well, they're yes, hybrids. Yes. I guess, but hybrids have clutches. I don't understand how hybrids work. <laughs> All right, so... I think that's all we got for today. That's the best I got. That's all the cool Geneva news that I could figure out. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that lightning round. And Sammy, what are we going to be talking about next week? I don't know. Okay, well, I know. I'm going to be talking about the 2019 BMW X7, which is a bigger X5 that I drove a few weeks ago. And I'm finally able to talk about it because they did a big road trip across the United States and everyone got a turn. And they didn't want everyone to just spill the beans if you started on the East Coast because the people on the West Coast would have been furious. So that, um, we're going to be talking about that, Sammy. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. What else? That's pretty much it, what I'm going to be talking about. All right. I'm going to drive the the new Mazda 3 all-wheel drive. Uh, I know you drove one as well, but yes. um, I'm going to get my chance in one, too. Well, the one I drove wasn't all-wheel drive, so I'm sure there's a startling difference. I'll tell you. Where, are you, dri- where are you driving that vehicle to test out its all-wheel drive capabilities? Uh, I believe Sacramento. Ah, yes, Sacramento, the snow and ice capital of California. I believe we're going to Tahoe as well. Okay. Well, maybe you'll get lucky and um, not spin off the road because I, the all-wheel drive will save you and you'll have a great story. That will be my – that'll be that's my dream come true, man. <laughs> to be saved by an all-wheel drive system. <laughs> yes. Um, if you want to catch up with the next week's podcast, you can head to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. When you're there, you can hit the subscribe button to a variety of podcast services, including Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple iTunes, CastBox, and you can probably find our podcast using whatever your favorite podcast client's search um, function. We well, are all over there. the podcast verse. Except for I found out that we're not in Stitcher. Is that okay? Uh, you know what? Let's not talk about where we're not. <laughs> um, additionally, if you want to get in touch with either Ben or myself, that's Sammy. Um, you, you can do that through. You can do that through the contact form on our website, or you can reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Sammy underscore Ha. Like you're laughing as you just heard Ben uh, demonstrate the last part of my Twitter. Uh, I sounded username. almost human. Or you can find Ben. He's on Instagram. Uh, he's at Hunting Benjamin. 
if you don't want to use any of these technologies to get in touch with us, uh, I've got one more last-ditch effort for you. You can email um, Ben in particular. He's Benjamin at uh, BenjaminHunting.com. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>